Hey, there's the music. That means it's time for Animal Talk. Some of the best doggone pet people on the planet helping you with your pet. One pooch at a time. It's America's Pet Show. Animal Talk. Thanks for being with us. Be, be sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, do all those podcast things in all the podcast places. We truly appreciate you coming around. AnimalTalkRadio.com is the website. And, of course, WearingFunny.com if you're looking for some gear, some pet parent gear, some funny t-shirts. They're all there. They're available for you. Uh, appreciate our sponsor, WearingFunny.com. Great place. Go check them out. And... For your pet help and information, you're in the right spot. We're going to help you out. We have years and years of animal calls and emails and interviews, and we're sharing them all with you on these Animal Talk Rewinds. Now, Animal Talk, it is for entertainment purposes only, so make sure you check with your local veterinarian, your local trainer, if you have any issues coming up, and we're here to help. Our, Our professionals always got great ideas, too. So here we go, having a little bit of fun. It's Animal Talk. Oh, we're loaded up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, did we have one we wanted to look at? Sure, dude. Dear Animal Talk. You've got mail. How often should I bathe my dog? I bathe them about twice a month. How often should I be doing it? Also, how often should you bathe a cat? And this is signed Elizabeth. Well, people like to, especially their little show pooches, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and not necessarily the people. The people who actually show their pooches know how often they should bathe them, but people who like to show off their pooches Sometimes I like to bathe them and overbathe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really, cats. I mean, unless they really get into something and they're matted uh-huh. down, they take care of themselves. Right, right. They're 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 you know. I mean, unless they got into something stinky and, and you really have a, a need to get them clean, uh, uh, you know, let them let them take care of themselves. Cats are like an oven; they're self-cleaning a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do a whole lot with them unless, as you say, they have some. Problems, GI tract problems, or urine right. problems, or again, this is probably an outdoor ca- outdoor cat. But uh, Dr. Barnes, the dermatologist, mm-hmm. he's been on the show before. Yeah. Uh, many are just waking up now from him being on the show, but uh, he's he's not the most exciting guy. But he mm-hmm. also is he's very very good at what he does. Right. He says that bathing your animal, if you want to give a true bath to your dog, it would be twice a year. Twice a year. He says, he says no, you can do cleanup baths with some weak shampoo without detergent, without soap in it. Mm-hmm. You can do that uh, just to keep them smelling nice and keep mm-hmm. them clean. Right. But for a true stripping shampoo with a real strong shampoo, should be twice a year in the spring and in the fall to help with the coat, help get that cleared out. Beyond mm-hmm. that, you're not you're just going to dry them out, make them uh, have more, more problems. Yeah, more dandruff. Yep. And and a lot of times dandruff is way. Oh, I gotta you know I'm I'm very allergic to my dog, so I'm gonna bathe them a lot, right, right. And, and then it could turn out that you're allergic to actually the dandruff, uh-huh. and you only actually make the problem uh, worse. You sure. exacerbate the, sure. the problem. Like that yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, 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 so yeah, you could just make it, you could make it a lot worse by, by doing that. So, uh, But dogs sometimes end up smelling like, I don't know, dogs. <laughs> so, uh, but he says, oh, it's okay to and a little bit more often than twice a year. Sure. Uh, do something with the, but not a, a heavy detergent. They right. have more just the, you know, spritz. Right. You do the, you do a more, uh, just a gentle shampoo that cleans just the dirt away. This is okay. not something that's uh, going to, going to get rid of the oils. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, with, with people's hair. If you wash your hair and don't use a conditioner or have a shampoo with conditioner in it, you're going to get very dried out hair if you wash your hair once or twice a day. Um, if if uh, most people or a lot of people wash their hair once a day, 
if that's the case, you're going to dry it out unless you do something to help. That's the thing. If you if dogs make their own oils for their hair, if you bathe them constantly, you're going to dry that out and have a problem. If if you want to get some just a quick clean, yeah. there's shampoos that are just for getting rid of dirt, just okay. uh, just gentle. And those those shampoos are things you can use a lot better, mm. and uh, and things will go pretty darn well. There's even the shampoos that you don't use in a tub; you just spray it on and brush it out. Uh, those shampoos are pretty easy to do, and you don't have to fight with the dog to keep them in the bathtub. And right. uh, you don't get all the cute pictures of the children sure. all covered in the all covered in the dog shaking off, and it's yeah. really fun and all that. But uh, Sometimes it's nice not to have your house ruined by a dog bath, too. So there you go. All right, so cats, self-sufficient. Uh, unless yeah. they've really gotten into something, there's really no need. Yep. And uh, for dogs, twice a year yep. on the outside. What about lizards oh. Um, oh. Or, or snakes? How often would you bathe a, a lizard? Well, we should ask Rourke that. Yeah. If, if, well, if I had a lizard, I never. I would <laughs> I never. Would, <laughs> I wouldn't touch that. Yeah, I would set them free. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, Rourke, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. We're talking about uh, bathing your cat and your dog. Um, do you have to bathe? Like, do you you, know, you got a, oh, a squeegee or snake or what do you do? I mean, what what do you do with the the rep, care and bathing of reptiles? Are they self sufficient or what's the story? Well, everything needs to hydrate. I do it at least twice a year, and I think that snakes and lizards ought to too. <laughs> no, really, um, let me tell you, a lot of people, it's, it's a social event. It's like, you know, bathing in the, in the public places in India or in Turkey. A lot of people like to take their pet lizard and give it a, ni- give it a nice bath. It seems to soothe the animals. And uh, I'll tell you what, once, or, once every two or three weeks, I like to take every single one of my snakes and... Uh, and, and, and soak them in water overnight. Not enough water to drown, but just to hydrate them. Kind of cleans them up, gets sediment like out from underneath their scales, and uh, they seem to really enjoy it. And it also helps them uh, pass food up quickly too. It yeah. aids the digestive process. You you marinate your snakes? Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know well, I, was, I was curious uh, what kind of care uh, it would take. So is that absolutely necessary, or is that something? No, that, I don't uh, think it. I don't like think it's it. vital, but I think it, it. I think it's something that's beneficial. Right. Even if it's not vital, I don't think it's vital that people bathe, but it's beneficial. You know, not uh, only to them and the people around them. Uh, if you've ever been on a bus, you know it's yeah, vital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where do people, people in the desert bathe? What do they take? Dirt baths? Sand yeah. baths? Sand baths, yeah. <laughs> Roll around in the sand. Brad, has he covered on uh, medical questions and second opinions? Uh-huh. Something uh, curious? You've been to the vet, and what is this medication supposed to do, really? So uh, Brad can let you know about that. And if you got something cold-blooded... Our buddy Rourke can help you out as well. And Jamie handles the cool. Oh, yeah, I got that down. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell by the Leonard Nimoy song I played earlier. I am all about the cool. But, no, we do have Rourke here uh, and this wealth of uh, information and knowledge. And, Brad, you had a news story you wanted to read and then uh, bounce this off of Rourke. So, Rourke, listen to this news story, and we're going to get a little feedback from you. Okay. Yeah, don't squeeze me too hard. <laughs> well, headline is, not after that first time. <laughs> Key tortoises in the fridge for winter. This from London. Warm winters may be rousing, hibernating pet tortoises early and endangering their lives, but there is a solution, experts say. 
Heat them through the winter in the fridge. Tortoise experts say unseasonably warm weather has woken many of the reptiles early, leaving their owners needing to keep them warm through any new cold snaps that could kill them. The fridge is an ideal method and a proven way of being a safe in, in the changing climate, said Jay Bloor, owner of one of the country's largest sanctuaries. Uh, it's becoming a more popular method, definitely. Tortoises hibernate through the winter but need to keep their body temperature between 3 and 5 degrees Celsius. If it rises above that, they wake up, begin digesting food, and will die if the temperature falls again. They recognize using a fridge with a reliable thermostat and without a freezer compartment. And so what I have, uh, Rourke, is this something you do? Do you keep your, do you do the tortoise in the fridge thing? No. Is that, is that, uh, is <laughs> that just a bizarre not, thing? But let or? me tell you something. It has merit and it'll work for tortoises that are being hibernated outside. Oh. An alternative would be to keep them where you could moderate their temperature so that they don't wake up and eat and freeze and things like that. Alligators do the same thing. They don't hibernate. They don't estivate. They have a period of inactivity. During those periods, like from September through early March, they do not feed because if they did, then when the weather got cold, they couldn't digest their food. Bacteria forms on the food, and they would get septic, and they would die. The same thing could happen to the tortoises, but that's not likely. And I'll tell you something else. The majority of tortoises in the world don't hibernate. They live in climates um, where it's warm all year round. It's called the tropics and the neotropics. Uh-huh. You know, what tortoises do we have that hibernate? You know, the gopher tortoise, the desert tortoise, uh, and a few Baltic Mediterranean type tortoises like the Greek tortoise, the Russian tortoise. Not that many tortoises hibernate. So for a small percentage of tortoises in the world, if you had a ton of them, I guess you could. If you were keeping them outside, it might be an alternative to refrigerate them. However, why not just put them indoors or and put heat lamps on them and keep them warm through the winter? If you're a huge sanctuary and you have hundreds of tortoises, I could see it happen. But if there's tortoise sanctuaries in the United States or England that they have that many tortoises, they can send them my way and we'll help them on their refrigeration bill. Yeah, this yeah. this one says uh, this says she's using the fridge. Uh, Bloor says using the fridge is not an option for her. She has some 400 animals, several more. Several more than 100 years old, and no refrigerator large enough. Uh, and she says, she says, in any case, once the tortoises have woken, they cannot simply be put in a fridge. Once the hibernation has been broken, the fall in temperature would kill them. So yeah, if you kept them outside, mm-hmm. bring them indoors, put them yeah. in garages, put them in buildings, put heat, put heat lamps over them. That's what we do. We've never lost the tortoise. Well, we don't hibernate ours outside. We bring them in. We put them back out in the spring. We feed them through the winters and bulk them up. Uh-huh. There's no growth during those inactive periods. And, you know, a lot of tortoises die during the hibernative period, A, because, A, it gets too cold and they don't come out of it. B, they were in a weakened state uh, when they went in and they might have a disease or they might have some kind of, you know, of medical problem that goes undiagnosed uh, underground and they die. And then they have predators dig them out during the winter and eat them. I was going to say, I would think that uh, they'd be easy uh, fixings for predators during that. They're uh, very easy fixes. You know, I've seen king snakes come out of hibernative mounds um, in Virginia with huge holes all through them and their vertebrae showing where raccoons and rats just had a feast on them. Yeah. And since they're cold-blooded, they're ectotherms, 
they they had no energy to defend themselves or do anything. They were, you know, in a in in, in a stupor, uh. you know, and and they just get eat, basically eaten alive by predators. Wow, that is yeah, uh, that that's gotta hurt. So uh, the fridge might be a safe place. <laughs> yeah, the, the fridge is a safe way, but uh, you, you know, you know, but you can you can also heat them up and feed them and uh, take care of them that way during the winter time too. It you just know, depends where you're at. Yeah. I mean, if you're in South Florida, you don't have to worry about it. Sure. If you're in Minnesota and you want to have a tortoise collection, you're bringing them inside uh, for the winter. Wow. So, so there's no need for animals to hibernate, even for for these critters to hibernate. It's not really a requirement, um, except no. for the weather. It's not they don't no. need it for a particular purpose. But, well, the only purpose that certain colubrids and turtles and tortoises and lizards, the benefit of hibernation, that period of inactivity, uh, can be the regeneration of uh, regeneration of things. But that cooling down period does aid in the reproductive process. Um, you can take snakes and not hibernate them and feed them through the winter time, you know, and then take a period and, and cool them down a little bit, and they'll have, you know, they'll lay more eggs, or they'll they'll they'll, they'll bear more living young. Huh. It, it's just part it's just part of nature's way, you yeah. know. There's an old it, with nature, nothing happens by accident, my yeah. friend. It's all by design, whether we understand it or not. Well. And and also your uh, that helps you with uh, taking care of them when you're able to do that because you can control when uh, just like they do with with cows for example on a farm they control when all the calves are going to be born they control everything down to an absolute science almost down to the day with regarding to the calves is that something that you do when you have a, a situation like yours where you're trying to control uh, uh, all the reproduction and all that is that something you just keep under control uh, by using the light and using temperature and all that. Yeah, for tropical species, you stimulate the, the rainy season, which is the wet season. So, obviously, I don't want a bunch of mold in the cages, uh, in the pens, by having water interact with everything and then having to deal with the humidity of South Carolina. So, this, again, goes to the bath thing. Um, you soak them for um, brief periods uh, right before and during the breeding season, and it simulates the rainy season. And, you know, it seems to set up some kind of biochemical change inside the animal that we can't see with the naked eye and spurs them on, um, you know, to, to breeding, to reproductive behavior. You, you know, certain photo periods and environment, temperature, all the, three of those things uh, play. And there's nothing like female pheromones uh, from a snake during the breeding season laid down, and, you know, that guy takes his little bifurcated tongue, and he goes right after uh, those pheromones, and chases that female snake down, you know. If you only get to breed, you know, for a brief season once a year, you're going to take advantage of that opportunity if you're healthy. I know that. I'm married. <laughs> right, more animal talk coming. And, of course, uh, we'd like to keep uh, keep you updated mm -hmm. to uh, what's going on in the world and in the, in the news. And uh, Brad heads over to the uh, news nook for a segment we like to call the National Animal. Your radio tabloid news source. The National Animal. Alright, Brad, what's, what's up in the news? Algae munching fish clean up Chinese lake. This from Beijing. Chinese authorities are using algae munching fish to clean up one of the country's most polluted lakes. And after their diet of toxins, they will be sold on to consumers. More than 50,000 silver carp fry have been introduced into Chaoho Lake, and another 1.55 million will be added in the next 20 days. 
said someone uh, from a from a fishery administration. Each carp is expected to have gobbled between 40 and 50 kilograms, that's 88 to 100 pounds, of blue algae when it reaches its adult weight, with each chomp of the sludge helping to clean up the toxic lake. Once the carp have mature, matured, fishermen will be able to catch them and sell them in markets at a price 15 times their original cost, giving a boost to the local fishing industry. Officials are concerned that selling the fish to eat the contamination might give Chinese products a bad name. <laughs> Macy, just me. Yeah. <laughs> You'd hate to hurt the reputation. Yeah. So good. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can beat the horse, says Drunk Streaker. <laughs> oh, just enjoy Let it wash over you. This is from Sydney. An Australian horse race has been declared void after a drunken streaker wearing only his underpants and a blue wig ran onto the course and attempted to beat the leading steed to the winning post. Stewards told the Daily Telegraph newspaper the incident at Moria, south of Sydney, was the first time they could remember a streaker stopping a race. The newspaper reported that a 31-year-old who had been celebrating his pre-reading bachelor's party at the race course on Saturday has been charged with offensive conduct. Footage posted on the paper's website, that's www.dailytelegraph.com.au, showed the beard-gutted man racing along the side of the course before performing a spectacular belly flop onto the turf when he reaches the winning post. Now, here's a rule to live by. If you're drunk, naked, and any part of your great idea involves a horse, don't do it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Violent Dog, It's Silent Night. A song audible only to dogs has topped the New Zealand record charts. A Very Silent Night, recorded at a frequency only dogs can hear, was popular among owners, but has been received mixed responses from listeners. The most violent one was a dog that physically attacked the radio when it played and went berserk and totally destroyed it, said a spokesman for the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Some people hate it, but others are excited to hear Mariah Carey recording again. (laughs) <laughs> and by the way, belatedly, well, congratulations to Mariah Carey on hosting The Price is Right. And you know what? We have, we, have, we have an Oscar-like story that I wanted to share. Usually I don't give up any of the news, okay. but I think this, this demands an entertainment-like show thing. So do you have the music for an entertainment show? There we go. Oscar fashion goes to the dogs, for real. This is from Los Angeles. Are you one of the millions of fashion fiends who covet Oscar red carpet style? Sadly, the costly gowns worn by Hollywood's elite will likely never adorn your non-celebrity body, but there may be hope for your dog. Now the ruffles, lace, satin, and sequins are on the A-list stars like Reese Witherspoon can be worn by Fido. Thanks to a red carpet collection of dog wear designed by two Tinseltown textile hounds, and inspired by the Oscars' red carpet fashion. That's right, Brad. Designer Laura Adamine and her husband, business partner Daniel DeBecky, own Little, Little Lily, a pet-centric lifestyle brand based in Tinseltown. Uh, for years, they've made Hollywood-style garments for dogs and are immersed in the mix between movies and canines. <laughs> he is a producer on the best film nominee, Juno, and she designs dog outfits for movies. Remember Al Howard's Chihuahua and Legally Blonde movies? Well, this worn Little Lily. Uh, an Oscar collections from 2007 featured bead-encrusted versions of uh, Grecian-inspired... What is that? Marchesa. Marchesa's gown, worn by Jennifer... Lo- oh, that one, the Lopez dress. Another piece was inspired by the avant-garde 
Scarlet, uh, what is that? Just think it up. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> the one Nicole Kidman wore. Yeah, this year the Almondine and Dubiecki will attend the Oscars and see who's wearing what, and within two days come out with five new looks. For canine fashionistas that cost about $150 each, the problem has been that PETA throws paint on dogs oh. to wear the clothes because they're upset that they're wearing fur. Oh, there you are. <laughs> All right. And that's the news. <laughs> yeah, that's the news. All right, I'll just reread that at all. That's, a, that's exhausting. That's that bad. is. No wonder Mary Hart so looks like that. I mean, good <laughs> grief. <laughs> there you go. All right. How does that, that, that sound work? Does that, that sound horrible. like Entertainment Weekly? That was a bad hey, brain wreck. Hey, it, it does. Hey, Jamie, <laughs> tell everybody what your email address is to send you questions. Uh, just jamie at animaltalkradio.com? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we do that uh, through the website, animaltalkradio.com. There's lots of great stuff mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. up there for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brad's cartoons are hilarious. And if you want, uh, John from Texas called earlier, and uh, he said his cat was a little heavy. We don't mind. We're not snobbish here. If you'd like to send a picture of your cat in, uh, even if he's super heavy, we'll put him into the pet parade. People send in pictures of their pets. And uh, we add them to the, the pet parade. Way to show off and brag about your pet. It doesn't matter if they got a little bit of weight problem. It doesn't matter. No, if they're pets. All of us doesn't. Yes. Camera puts on 10 pounds. Yes. So hey, mm -hmm. it's probably a stick So <laughs> in real life. All right. So send that in. Visit the website, animaltalkradio.com. And uh, you can uh, you can see everybody else's pets that they've, they've sent in so far mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, lots of cool stuff. And, of course, the way to email us. Uh -huh. And uh, we like to answer those. We like uh, getting those. And we like answering them, sure. moreover, because uh, that's the way we connect with you. And then there's always the electronic method as well. Do you got one there, Brad? Sure. You always send them during Animal Talk. What's this? A letter for me. What is the deciding factor with a lizard if their tail will grow back when they come off? Do all lizards' tails grow back, or is there just certain ones, and why is it they do and others don't? And how many more ways can you phrase that question? <laughs> oh, no, that was me. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> that and this is signed Benjamin. Benjamin. So, yeah, all right. Well, wouldn't it be great if we had the power of regeneration? Oh. I wouldn't have to worry so much about that wood chipper the next time I try to feed a shark underwater. Oh, we're, well, we're talking about regeneration. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But, you know, some lizards do have the power of regeneration. Yeah. Uh, mostly uh, that uh, occurs in the, igu the iguanids, the lacertids, and the skinks. But a lot of lizards, if they lose their tail, it's not going to grow back. And even the ones that do, they never grow back quite the same. In fact, they have a different texture, a different rigidity, and a, a less flexibility, and the color is usually not quite the same. Rourke, um, you pointed out to me an article in the USA Today about uh, pythons putting the squeeze on the United States. These Burmese pythons are huge. They can be 20 feet long and 250 pounds. And, and people from, uh, like, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and uh, the USGS, U.S. Gaming Services, I guess, um, are, are expecting that uh, these, well, they're, they're, they're concerned about how they're so invasive right now in Florida, and they're concerned that, as uh, as as the nation warms up, uh, as the nation warms up, the uh, uh, 
these pythons are going to be scattered around uh, and move. Uh, can then actually the lower to third of the U.S. could be Python Central before too long. Uh, your work, we were just talking about this article that you sent me about the pythons, and then these things can be 20 feet long and 250 pounds. That is a big snake to bump into out uh, taking out your trash there. Yeah, but, but, but see, it, it's not going to happen. It, this is complete nonsense. Oh, Let me tell good. you something. Big constrictors have lived in Mexico yeah. for thousands of years. It, the climate is perfect for a migration north. And it's never happened. They well, don't leave their micro niches or their ranges. Okay. This is a, this is this is part of the politics of fear that's put out by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Service and the U.S. Geological Services in cahoots with them because right now, as of two weeks ago, U.S. Fish and Wildlife they, they, has never been able to do their job properly as far as identifying animals and stuff doesn't want to do any work, and in Florida they had a few pythons get out during Hurricane Andrew. Right, right. And they established themselves along with Nile monitors in the Everglades. The problem has never gotten out of that area, and it's never even been really a big problem because the people that do all the work down there, friends of mine who are biologists, yeah. they're having problems finding these pythons that are supposedly teeming down there, yeah. and they're snake experts and snake hunters, to put these radio pit tags in them so that they can follow them to find the mates and stuff. Right. Uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife wants to add certain pythons and stuff right now to the injurious wildlife list so they can effectively end the pet trade. It's always been on their agenda. It's uh -huh. like three or four years ago they decided they wanted to end the caiman trade in, 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 in the United States. So they added the spectacled caiman, the most common pet shot caiman, to the injurious wildlife list based on similarity of appearance to a Yakari caiman. Well, a five-year-old could look at two pictures and in five minutes be able to identify the difference between a Yakari caiman and a spectacled caiman 99 out of 100 times. It, right. It's all political. This is an impossibility. First, you have to buy into the nonsense of global warming. The, you know, the conditions of the atmosphere on this planet have changed over millions of years, and they've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And this whole global warming is a crock of nonsense. These pythons could never move and establish themselves in these ranges. You know why? Wow. They get pneumonia and wow. they die. They have very susceptible immune systems to cold because they're ectotherms, and they can't change. All right, so the few, the few uh, pythons that uh, are kind of loose and have established themselves a little bit in the Everglades, those are either pets that have been uh, released or... Or, uh, or from a Hurricane from Andrew. Hurricane. Yeah, and yeah. So, but they're not breeding massively and... and no, and, and, and in fact, um, I volunteered a few years ago when this stuff came up to take every one, and the people that were initially doing the studies called me and they said, you'll take every one we find. I said, I will drive down there and pick up every single one of them. I'll get someone to come pick it up. I will bring them out of your state if it's such a problem. Yeah. And then I never got any animals or any calls because yeah. it just isn't that much. Well, it, here's what happens. They use the word could. Yeah, and, and notice and, if you go into the articles that are behind it, and, um, the U.S. Geological Survey's 
dismissed the professors of herpetology at respected communities and used their own special biologists and herpetologists, which means they don't know jack about right. any of it. And then it, it, it makes for a good story. So naturally, USA Today, which might, you know, might as well be the star, they're going to run with it. Giant pythons could, and they tried to make it out to be a big deal. Well, you know, Sasquatch could run, am run amok all throughout the southeast, too. And yeah. every they did the same thing with wolves years ago. They did yeah. the same thing with mountain lions. You know, how many people get killed by mountain lions in this country every year? Mm. In North America? Zero. Okay, there you go. one, and we have three to four attacks. It's the same thing with bears. You have, you know, like one person a year. Meanwhile, 60 kids choke to death on hot dogs in the safety of their school cafeteria every year. And they want to tell us about something that possibly could happen in 2010. Yeah, yeah which well, is well, it was not even 2010. It was, it was 2100. It was 2100. years from now. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100 years. Yeah, it's yeah. so ridiculous. It and, of course, none of these people will be around <laughs> to have to defend the nonsense. We're on a break. More animal talk. Hey, it's Jamie. I got to hop on in here and remind you about our sponsor, WearingFunny.com. WearingFunny.com for all your pet parent t-shirt needs. Head on over to WearingFunny.com and check out the vast array of amazing, hilarious t-shirts. Thoughtful, cuddly, and cute for you and your kitties and your puppies. And hey, we take requests. If you have a critter that we don't have represented... Let us know. We'll get you connected with just the perfect shirt for you and your critters, showing your love for being the best pet parent you can possibly be. Wearingfunny.com. Back to the show. I think we have Donna. I think we have Donna from the red carpet, Jamie. Oh, Do we have her? I, it should just drop down. Oh, I can't believe it. Gosh. She, yeah. she had him there. She was, the with, she was with Polly Shore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She had him. She's the, the weasel. <laughs> And Rourke is with us uh, to help you with your cold-blooded critters. Uh, and we're just talking about uh, just a, a, a story in the news about uh, pythons in and, and Florida, and, and they're going to invade the United States, and just how ridiculous. And, yeah, maybe by the year 2100, and, and maybe, and uh, Rourke was saying how ridiculous the whole premise is. But it's kind of like when there's a snowstorm, and, and the local TV channels, you know, latch onto it, and they have all the sound effects and the... The graphics and it's the winter storm of 2008's coming, and you know, and it's they just sensationalize it to the point that you know they do, and, and this and, and this being the case here again, just grabbing onto a, a press release of like, hey, you know, there's some snakes and what have you, um, and uh, just really taking a, a blown out of proportion press release and then blowing it out of proportion even further. But one thing also you forgot, Rourke, and and I, I did, uh, I saw a documentary about this. There were these creatures in a desert area. Um, it was a documentary. It was called Tremors, and uh, and, and what happened was the uh, these creatures developed legs in further documentaries, and and they were able to move around much more easily. So, if pythons develop legs, they will be able to move up a lot more easily, and then we're going to have trouble. So, really, watch out for the legged python. Mm. But, but you know what? It, 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 it's all Kevin Bacon's fault. Yeah. But, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you what else: we have the American crocodile which is through the entire West Indies, gets up to 20 feet long as a confirmed manning and can get up to 2,000 pounds in weight. Crocodile is the cutest. And they live from Turkey Point, Florida, all the way down to the Keys. 
<laughs> and this is an animal that is capable of surviving cold, colder weather and periods of inactivity, almost like an American alligator, but it has never been able to establish its range beyond lower Florida. It, why is it it moved across um, the, you know, the Gulf there, you know, Louisiana and Texas and established there? We've got jaguars in, in rare instances have come all the way up out of Mexico, and one or two has occasionally wandered to the border of Texas, but they've never been able to establish a colony and live. First of all, you've got to have terrain and cover. You've got to have temperature because reptiles are temperature dependent, uh-huh. and then you've got to have a food supply, uh-huh. and they're not going to have that. And they're, and they're used to Mexican food. You can get good Tex-Mex in Texas, but you can't get it in Oklahoma. No, they're not going that's to right. But, but when you get 20 feet long, where do you hide? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Automobiles will find you and crush you. Oh. That's the way it is. All right, Rourke. Well, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, bringing that to light and, and sharing with pleasure. us. Our pleasure. And because uh, yeah, I mean, so many people they, 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 they'll grab onto a news release, like press release, like that, and just blow it out of proportion. Uh, speaking of blowing things out of proportion, we're going to do it again next week. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we do is blown out of proportion. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. And uh, check out the website animaltalkradio.com. Get a hold of us during the week electronically that way. But until then, please. Have an exotic week. And kiss your wild thing, partner. Thanks for being with us for another episode of Animal Talk. Make sure you do all those podcast things in the podcast places. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. We hope you had a little fun along the way. Make sure you head on over to wearingfunny.com. You can grab yourself some gear to show off what a proud pet parent you are. Are you a cool cat mom? Are you a happy doggy daddy? We got all the gear just for you. Hats, shirts, all kinds of swag. Wearingfunny.com. Go check it out and show yourself a little animal pride with Animal Talk. Once again, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Thank you so much for being here. Have an exotic week. And kiss your wild thing for us. Storm in the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye.